ACAST. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ben, you know who I, I don't like out of this genre? And they kind of ruined the whole genre in a way. Is Depeche oh, my. Mode. Depeche Mode, that's what's my entree of this genre. And it yeah. really crushed me. Yeah, that'll do it. No, and, I'm, I'm out of Depeche Mode, yeah. And I have since come around to some Smith songs and some Cure songs. Yeah, right. I have not come around to much Depeche Mode. and just to Dude, be I'm bad, sorry, but that reach out and that, that um, what's the personal Jesus? That song yeah. is fantastic. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. That, Stop. That, you're my own oh, bird. When that comes on the radio, turn it up and just Stop. pretend like you're the Depeche Mode dude and you will feel like a god. <laughs> Singing along to that song is so unbelievably fun. Reach out and touch me. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Fellas. Jimmy! What the heck is going on? So, okay. Pause. Pause all discussion of 1983. Because what needs to be discussed is September 30th. 2021. Uh, I wasn't there. Jeff, you had your CD release concert. I did have my CD and release concert. Ben, and I was you joined by fellow celebrity Ben Barton. <laughs> Two thirds. We did have at least one podcast listener who was really we did. into both me and Jeff, which made no, us pretty stop. happy. Yeah, that's no. awesome. He said he Hell. had a lot of thoughts about Diver Down, and I was, and then I just left. I didn't listen to him. So it's perfect. He can catch me next time I'm out there. That's Cal, right. We, we love you, brother. Keep listening. I wow. love that you did that to Ben. I wish you'd been able to, to corner him. I know, him dude. He can email me. I'm available. <laughs> I also Wait. have a lot of thoughts on Diver Down. So we're but we we okay. are not talking about Van Halen right now. We're talking about Jeff Simons. Uh, ben, yes. how was he? Oh, it's terrific. It's terrific. a tremendous show. Uh, he had most of the Megan Schlanker band, I would say. He okay. had a keyboardist and a different bassist because he's the bassist. Okay. Interestingly... <laughs> Jeff went for basically like the, the front man. Like he played a little bit of keyboards, a little bit of guitar, but most of the time he was kind of doing the little Jeff Simons dance and had his arms out and was just bringing it super hard. <laughs> Jeff, how many songs did you get to play? We did a dozen, I think. We did wow. 10, 10 of mine and, and two covers. Ooh, and, what uh, were the covers? We did Bob Dylan's Sooner or Later, One of Us nice. Must Know. Yeah. And then we... We closed with... Uh, Wait, hold on. Tell them the classic medley. I mean, one people have heard a million times. Oh, the Kissimmee Won't Get Fooled Again medley. You know how which, you know, <laughs> when you go from Kissimmee into Won't Get Fooled Again, which is like in a different key and a different rhythm? It's equivalent <laughs> he, equivalent songs. He went ahead and just like ended Kissimmee and went into Won't Get Fooled Again. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. He's going to do 30 seconds of this. Nope. He did the full like did the six song. minute Won't Get Fooled yes. Again. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, the band was terrific. They really, uh, they learned the song so well. They played really, really hard. We had an amazing crowd. We filled oh, the Ivy Room on a Thursday night in nice. COVID And it was loud times. and very enthusiastic. It was great. Yeah, man, they were great. They were such a great audience. So total success. So fun. Can't wait to play again. Actually, already 
Ooh. have received Ooh. some overtures for uh, offers to co-bill with a couple of other bands. So. Let's go. That's great. Yeah. Who was your, so I saw the one clip, uh, the guitarist looked like he was on fire. Who was that guy? That's oh, James yeah. DePredo, my friend. Oh, that's Chuck, James. Okay, sure. Yeah, from the Chuck Prophet and Megan Slankard band. And just basically James DePredo by himself, you know, right. force of nature. So The man could play guitar. The man hey, Jimmy, could got, play a I little guitar. One, I got one short critique. Uh -oh. you will appreciate and then okay. i've got one piece of praise which i believe you will also appreciate <laughs> okay uh, hit it the first short critique is hey tim do you remember when you and i discussed what our favorite jeff simon song is yeah and i was figuring like could that work in such a setting or yeah did... you know how you see your favorite band and they don't play your favorite song yeah it's tough. sorry it's tough so, no music but... i forgot you but just, I understand. Just, I understand that. that it is. It's a yeah, slower it's acoustic a tough number. Yeah. I get it. That would have definitely quieted the dancing down for sure. Right. Um, but still, I'll just go ahead and note for the record that you we didn't got get no what you, you, you flew out for. <laughs> the second thing I'll say, and this is a theme, a theme of this podcast is long term human relationships, which if it's not the richest thing in life, it's one of the richest things in life. And sometimes I will lapse into the high school Ben Barton from Brooklyn. Yes. I'm up there and Jeff's up there playing. And I just, in my, in my head, I hear the voice. It's like this fucking kid. Look at this fucking kid. I know this fucking kid for years. I know him for years. This guy, are you seeing this fucking guy? I turned to Susan's next to me. I'm like, this, this fucking kid, are you seeing this? That oh, is lovely. It's, it's a beautiful thing, man. It really I is. See Jeff, like just out there doing his thing, and um, so brave, putting it on the line. Right. Like his own personal artistic expression invites everybody who loves him and knows him. And they all turn out. It was beautiful. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I had worlds colliding so hard. Old colleagues, old friends, old students, former parents. Like it was lead singer of Fishbone. These are yeah. people that come out to see Jeff play. It was fantastic. You know, can you, I just have to say, you have not lived until you front your own band for the first time in a decade and a half, and you look down, and the greatest front man on earth is watching you, <laughs> like critically in the very front with his arms folded, listening really carefully, oh, like good. not in the back having a drink, but like checking you out. Like he was, was into like, it though. He was into yeah. He it. was great. Angelo is the best. Man. Oh, that James, is awesome. James and I afterwards were like, you know, any gig where Angelo Moore just mysteriously appears halfway through and then is gone. Is Oof. this the greatest gig you play? So, well, looking at those clips, Jeff, it looked like you were having a ball. Like, it was good. a good time was had. I think a good time was had by all, man. It was, oh, for it was sure. Yeah. People were but ready don't to rock. It. Jeff was working, man. He was super nervous beforehand and understandably so. I just love that you're willing uh, to put yourself out there to promote our podcast. Yep, that's what's really important. Right. Yeah, you... I will be. I will uh, be billing the um, the marketing department for costs incurred. Okay. So you know, band and uh, you know their rider, like those guys can drink a lot. So <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Blues Brothers, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so Ben, now you and I got to do something. We've got to put ourselves out there for sure. Uh, some sort of law lecture on a soapbox in a Knoxville park, something With a like play. that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Uh, well, congratulations, Jeff. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I cannot wait for the next one because I'm definitely going to make it happen. You know why? Because look at this guy. 
Look at him. This freaking guy. This freaking guy. That's what I'm going to call the next EP. That'll be great. <laughs> well, yeah, hey. Ben is the best. There's no, I mean, it goes without saying any friend who will get on an airplane uh, and fly halfway across the country to watch an hour of music is, uh, it's is, actually, that's dedication yeah. with a capital dedication. It's actually so. all the way across the country, just to clarify for, for Ben's purposes. It's, uh good i just stuff. meant that nashville's you know knoxville uh, nashville yeah. and nashville and blashville and all the places where you guys live are you <laughs> the know they're not exactly on the east coast but they're Fly over right. country tim you heard him that's right. right well welcome everybody to country. 50 years of music <laughs> with 50 year old white guys uh one of us was acting like a a 28 year old the other night and paying for it and paying for it. Oh, good, good. Very we are part of the uh, drive-in the podcast network, so check us out uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's jump into 1983, is it? 1983 proper? The Jeff? big year. That was my, I, that's ninth grade, I think, 83. Or 83, 84 is no. my ninth grade year. Really? Yeah, yeah. Huh, I don't think I'm there yet. So give me um, your favorite song from Thriller because it is our Grammy winner. And it is our best-selling album of the year. What wow. do you got? What do so you want to go just, with? My favorite song from Thriller. Well, Ken, we've we've already played our a bunch of three songs albums. So let me let me uh, play your. Let least me favorite? showcase. <laughs> let me showcase the ballad that I really love. Like I'm not a ballad guy, and some of the slower songs in this record annoy the hell out of me. But I do love this okay. song. It's the Grammy winner. It's the number one album. Thriller by Michael Jackson. better be careful about that one minute with michael jackson i'm sure his lawyers will <laughs> come after us come back and get us that's where i end it for me that's where the record really ends like i don't listen to pretty young thing or the lady in my life right like, ever if i'm ever i mean the idea of actually sitting down and listening to thriller like huh i haven't heard that in a while is actually kind of funny but like i really i hate that paul mccartney song but i can just go right through tracks one through seven with no pain and then uh i for me that that's the kind then of it ends the last song I really love, yeah. And and Ben Barton, you're out on the Paul McCartney song as well, right? Oh yeah, totally. And, <laughs> and basically, like that keyboard sound is tough. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough get right there. But I mean, throughout this record, there's spectacular guitar work. Like as soon as the guitars come in, I'm like, oh, okay, now I remember. Like, yeah, it's just yeah. so beautiful. They really like they separate the, the chords out into their constituent parts and then play them in this beautiful finger picky yep. funk way. I mean, yep. it's the same for the fast and the slow songs. Like the guitar work, in my opinion, just like helps carry the record. So this is oh. also the year that Michael Jackson uh, performs 
at the Apollo Theater, right? The the Motown celebration. Oh, is that right? And he does the moonwalk for the first he time. Unveils the moonwalk and brings the house down uh, with that move. Um, so since it did not come out in 1983, it is not the all-time bestseller released in 1983. That distinction goes to Lionel Richie. Oh, awesome. Did I tell my can't slow down. Me? Can't slow down. It's another That's three it. word title you that really we're butchering. It's a fact. <laughs> uh, do you have a Lionel Richie story for us, Matt? I got two Lionel Richie stories. Oh, yeah, baby. Okay. One okay. is that he was like a, a headliner. I can't, he like opened up for Jay-Z or somebody. It was, it was awesome. It was like a 5 p.m. Saturday night main stage thing. And he was so off the hook good and hilarious. But that wasn't the first time I saw him at Bonnaroo. The first time I saw him at Bonnaroo is... We're on the fifth stage. There's five stages. This is the smallest stage. And they've got Kenny Rogers on this stage. Okay. And so it's not a huge turnout amongst the Bonnaroo faithful, unless you want to include all of the civic leaders of Manchester, Tennessee, which is where Bonnaroo is located. <laughs> so this is not a joke. The mayor of Manchester comes out and gives him a key to the city and the whole city council's wow. there. And they're like, we love you. You're the greatest, Kenny. You're awesome. And I mean, so Kenny Rogers is, uh, is an elderly man when he was a, a big hit. He's a right. super elderly man by this point. And he's like, okay, well, thanks, fellas. Sure. <laughs> he's just so confused by the whole thing. <laughs> Anyhow, then the, the, they shuffle off the city leaders. And he's like, just as a treat, I thought I'd bring my friend in. Brings Lionel Richie out. And no. Jeff, what's the name of the stupid song that they do together? Oh, I have no idea. They did a song together. There's a Lionel Richie. I'm looking Kenny it up. Kenny Rogers song. They do that song. And then Kenny Rogers is like, and Lionel's got one more for you. And he does all night long. And I mean, <laughs> I lost my shit. Like I was just like completely out of my mind singing along. And I mean, basically, I, I, I never bought that record. I don't even yeah. really care for it that much. But that song is just <laughs> so great. So great. Oh, my and God. It's. It's Lady. They did Lady together. Oh, Lady. that makes sense. They Thank both sang you. that for a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh for sure. my god. Yeah, I was at another show and someone was like, "Lionel Richie is gonna sing Lady <laughs> with Kenny Rock." Because I know that some of the promoters, they're like, "You got to see this." And I was like, "Oh, I do indeed need to <laughs> Let see me that. Go that right is now. the thing that I need to see." Oh. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on with 1983. I will come back to a musical moment in 1983, uh, Jeff Simons, that you will enjoy. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's hit uh, some facts. Uh, final episode of MASH. Oh. Three. Jack, yeah, the what's is it still like the largest episode audience ever? I feel like we talked about this last time because I was able. To, I remember recently expressing my irritation at the last episode of okay, Mesh. Okay, or maybe I, we did. I don't remember. Maybe it was the last episode of our podcast. I don't know. Um, no, no, no. Like I think when we did eighty-three before, we talked about the last episode of Mesh. All right. Samantha Smith is invited to Russia by Yuri Andropov. Do you remember this? No, I don't know who uh, Samantha Smith is. Eleven-year-old girl from Maine who writes a letter to Russia's premier saying, "I'm worried about." nuclear war and reagan was ticked because samantha smith was being used as a tool by the russians i remember wow. just being jealous that i wanted to go i forgot all about yuri <laughs> and drop off of the russians yeah. to me <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um we've talked about the tamil tigers on our podcast before it's in 1983 that the tamil tigers ambush uh, a sri lankan army unit 
and thus the Civil War, which goes from 1983 to 2009, begins. Oh. By the way, Tommel. Gosh dang it. Did I do that last time too? Yeah, it's all right though. There's a lot to cut. In this what uh, famous current artist speaks Tamil as her first language? What the? You mean not the one Ben picked? The one Ben picked. Yeah. Oh, right. MIA. Well, there's yeah. two actually. MIA and then Aziz Ansari is also Tamil. That's huh. Not Tamil. <laughs> the captain and Tamil. I believe that's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> that is the musical <laughs> act I was thinking of. Thank you. That'd be um, pretty good if you took the captain and Tennille and connected it with MIA, put some gunshots <laughs> on Muskrat Love and slowed that shit down. It'd be pretty good. Uh, the first Swatch models debut in 1983. Did either of you have a Swatch? I did not. Oh, I had a Swatch. And it's, uh, actually, it's one of those really horrible high school stories. Okay. Oh, no. I had a Swatch. And I showed up at Midwood High School with my swatch, and there, there was like a bunch of discussion at the lunchtime where they were like, that's sort of a cool watch. What's the story? And I was like, it's swatch. It's a Swiss watch. And they were like, uh, what's good about it? I was like, well, it's waterproof. It's like indestructible. I mean, basically, it's it's, it's made of things oh, no. that can't be broken. And my oh, buddy no. was like, I bet I could break it. And I was like, no, it's, it's like, it's, it's shatterproof. You can't break it. And he just put his elbow on it and broke it. And I was like, <laughs> well, that'll be it for that. That was awesome. <laughs> That was uh, a quick, quick story. So I had my swatch for like a week and a half. And then oh, I brought home to my parents and I was like, it broke. And they were like, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> did either of you, speaking of the 80s and fashion, either of you have a members only jacket? I did not. I was pretty um, horrendously oh, oh. untrendy. Ornery? No, no, just poor. <laughs> Just no money to do those things. <laughs> and if I had money, I was buying records with it. But uh, no, I never. I had a pair of Ocean Pacific shorts that I'm sure would be pornographic in the modern era. I mean, I think they <laughs> they were so short. But I had those. But I think that's the closest thing I got to relevance. My family was fashionable, but only when the knockoff products arrived at Zare. That's what I'm uh, talking about. And then we would get like, the member only jacket right. yeah, members so with a z <laughs> yeah something like that that's <laughs> awesome all right uh return of the jedi comes out what was your impression of return of the jedi back in the day not now I, not in retrospect in i the didn't moment. like the i didn't like the ewoks the moment i saw the movie and i really okay. hated the yum yum song at the end but i had was critically i mean i loved it Are you kidding like hanchette and i went opening day and stood in a giant line in a crazy crowd and and uh and i, I just know, was man. like it blew my ass away but i i did think the ewoks were were unnecessarily adorable i also think now appearance. that we're in the fullness of time timmy yes yes so of the original trilogy it's the worst i mean yep. it's, it's fair yes. to say that and i yep. put it empire star wars and that one the last a thousand okay. percent agree but then as soon as you see them try and make other ones you're like oh that's ah, awesome yeah so good. it was really good yeah like the thing that's crazy about empire is that it, it's better than star wars you know how hard it is it's like godfather 2 you know how hard yeah. it is to make a movie that's better than the original yep. when the original is a gargantuan hit so i wasn't surprised I and mean, what are the odds they were going to make a third one which is better than the second one like that struck me as pretty unlikely right um but that being said it's it's great it's fantastic it's got a bunch of really entertaining parts especially yep. i mean as soon as you get to the prequels you're like oh boy yeah. 
I tell you, I um, I was disappointed that Darth Vader uh, comes out okay. I wanted the man dead. I'll say it. Wow. He did die. And that is the, the original I one. I wanted came Luke back. to Anakin kill him. Came back. Luke puts down his lightsabers. Like, you no, didn't like father. it when he threw the Emperor down the well? That didn't, yeah. your, your no. bloodlust was not satisfied? <laughs> no, Perhaps you wanted not. to see some Ewoks go down with the Emperor. I don't know this Emperor. They were definitely Kong. not. All I know is Darth Vader. Darth Vader killed Obi Wan. Not enough dead Ewoks. That really would have brought <laughs> would have brought some gravitas. <laughs> that, that was funny. The Ewoks were there banging on the, on the Empire machinery, and I was how funny would it be that just like the thirty five dead Ewoks piled <laughs> underneath the at at Walker, just totally. like squish, squish, squish. Totally like a like a Schindler's list of Ewok bodies. Oh God! All right, moving on. I got out of hand quick. So that's why we're not film critics. Oh God. All right. Yeah. Get, getting back to 1983, um, sports comes out. Huey Lewis and the news release sports. And, and for me, that was a gigantic. I mean, I know thriller is there um, dominating everything, but sports comes out and how many hits, how many top 40 hits does sports have? I don't know. You know, I never remember where, where songs end up charting, but um it had and Heart of Rock and Roll was a top 10 hit. Heart and Soul was a top 10 hit. I Want a New Drug was a top 10 and hit. And that was the first single in Gigantic. Yeah. And If This Is It was a top 10 hit. That's four at least. And then like Walking on a Thin Line and Bad is yeah. Bad definitely got played on the radio also. Bad is Bad. So. I got MTV play. Yep. All right. Give me, uh, give me 30 seconds of your favorite Huey Lewis and the News song from sports. From sports, because my favorite song by yes. him is uh, "Working for a Living," and it's not even close. I I think that's one of the that greatest songs really ever is. made. I'll go with "Heart and Soul." I think it's great. Ben, is that a keyboard that's irritating you right now? <laughs> I love that call and response with his own voice. Hectic, hectic. <laughs> have I told the sports story on this podcast? Have I don't I think so. No, we haven't mentioned Huey. Though. All right, so uh, humble brag alert. Huey is, as somebody I actually know a little bit, I've played with Huey, and Huey has sat in uh, with bands that I play with, um, and I've known him for a really long time. And he is one of the most genuine, friendly guys you will ever meet. Uh, he, is, he is unpretentious to the point of being like hilariously unpretentious. Okay. Like he just like never, he is more likely to make fun of his own work than anybody I've ever met who is even remotely successful. But his great sport, the story he told us about sports was uh, they deliver the record to the record company and the A&R guy brings him in and he says, look, I have a question. Do you want to sell 2 million records or 20 million records? And okay. they all laugh. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm asking a serious question. This is a great record. This is a great rock and roll record, and it will sell at least 2 million copies. 
do you want to be the biggest band in the world and sell 20 million records and make it a pop record? And they all look at each other and like, well, duh. And he's like, then you have to let me wipe the drum tracks and replace them with electronic drums. Whoa. Like I'm, I have to take the rock drums off, which makes it sound like a Tom Petty record and put the digital drums of the moment on there, which is going to make it sound like a pop record. And he turned to the drummer is like, if you're willing to eat that crow, not that you didn't play fantastically, but you did, you're not a computer. If you make that switch, then this record's going to go through the ceiling. And they look at each other and like, all right, do it. Boom. And that's the difference. But why picture this sells 1 million and this one sells 14 million. That is not the original drum track. It is a programmed Lin drum machine replacing everything the drummer did. (laughs) Because the whole record was recorded to a click track anyway, which is why live they sounded like a rock band and they never quite sound that way on the radio. But uh, that is fascinating. And I asked like, well, you know, how did that go over? And he's like, well, Next time you hang out with my drummer, ask him how he likes his boat. (laughs) (laughs) He was able to eat it. Yeah. Somehow he found a way. (laughs) I saw saw Huey Lewis in the news for the first time um, on this tour while they were in ascendance. It was before it all exploded. They were the opening act for 38 special. Remember that Southern rock band? Oh, yeah. But they just, they came out and- Held it. They had a 70 minute show that was just watertight, just fantastic. Good. So. All right. Well, uh, before we get to our three albums, let, let's uh, see who died in 1983. I will go ahead and <laughs> say a word as soon as you have a guess, start guessing. Dead person number one football, hat, Tom Landry, Bear uh, Bryant. Bear Alabama. Bryant. Bear Bryant is correct. One right. Tom Landry lives for a much longer That's time. Amazing. One nothing, Ben Barton. <clears throat> Playwright. Brick. Miller. Stella. Arthur Miller. Oh, Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams dies in 1983. Brick was a really good second word. Thank Tim. you. Thank I, you. I, that was well done. <laughs> all right. Last one for all the marbles. Boxer, old, white. Rocky Marciano. Older. Shoot, I'm out. 1920s. Oh, what's the name of that guy? I know, Gene Tunney. Who's the bare knuckle? No, he beat Tunney. He whipped up on Tunney. He's the (laughs) best, best heavyweight boxer of the 1920s. He's also, he's the highest paid uh, athlete in the 20s. He earned... Five times the amount that Babe Ruth did. In the oh, world. really? Wow. Yeah, totally. That. Yeah, there's a famous contract case that I teach, and I've just forgotten the name of the dude. Oh, uh, Jack Dempsey. Oh, Jack of course. Jack Dempsey. That's a sh- that's embarrassing for us. Sorry, Tim. Born in 1895, dies in 1983. So, how do these guys not kill each other fighting bare knuckled for 106 rounds? Did they just not strong enough to do the damage? Because if Mike Tyson hit a guy with his bare fist for 50 rounds, that man is not getting up. Like, how oh. did they, how did they keep from like just ruining yeah. each no, other? It's also, it's self-selected. Like yeah. Dempsey's like, uh, so the, the Dempsey story is his parents convert to Mormonism and move yeah. to Utah. 
Oh, wow. When he's 16, he and his brother run away from home, and they make their living fighting bare-knuckled brawls in bars. Jesus where the brother comes Christ. in and says, I'll take 100 bucks from any man that can whip my brother. And they gather all the money, and then Dempsey comes in and beats people senseless. And then, <laughs> and so it's self-selecting. Like, you didn't get to be a professional boxer unless you survived the circuit. Yeah. And the circuit was so bruising and hard. I mean, Lord knows what happened to the people who Dempsey beat. Yeah. Uh, but he made it out of the circuit, and then he built his way up. And, dude, I mean, he played uh, – he boxed to 110,000 people. At wow. Good Without Lord. – like with like like lights and like yeah, right, right. ants fighting yeah. there. <laughs> Insane. Um apparently he just had a devastating right hand as well. Like yeah. Guys didn't last. Guys didn't get shots in. Yeah, uh, no, his first his first title fight was against a six nine guy and he broke his jaw and his ribs and like the, the, the guy didn't make it out of the first round the guy outweighed dempsey by 50 pounds and had to reach another foot and a half beyond dempsey's and dempsey just murdered him god it's terrifying all right let's get to our three albums i just have to say thank god education actually means something oh in right this country. Oh, i'm just man. imagining what role i would play in society if jack dempsey was in charge I mean, I would just be like the guy who carries the bucket of spit around for him. If, like, if glasses weren't invented, like what would I have done in the 1300s? I would have just been walking into trees. It would have been terrible. All right. Uh, who gets to go first? I can't remember. We, we're, we're behind in our schedule, so. I think it's who, me. I get to go first. Yeah, let's do it. Are three albums. I badly wanted to do Pretenders Learning to Crawl. Okay. I looked hard at Rebel Yell, Pyromania, and then actually I believe in the year 1983, my favorite album was The Fix, Reach the Beach. Oh, that's... I was super into. Quality, quality. But there's one record that I've listened to more than any other record. And I'm actually, I'm going to defer to Jeff. I'm going to defer to Jeff give me a little background on where our guy david bowie finds himself in 1982 because jeff will know i mean fantastic fantastic david bowie as we all know is one of the most influential artists in rock history and and one of the most interesting for all of these moments of rec recreation right he's this wide-eyed uh, little, he's a soul singer first in the 60s and those go nowhere. Then he becomes this kind of wide-eyed hippie that last couple of years. Then he becomes a bisexual outer space rock god. Then he loses the weight he doesn't have and becomes a real thin cocaine addict that's called the Thin White Duke. But by 1983, Bowie's kind of run his course. 1980s Scary Monsters has a few minor hits but he's starting to exist on the fringes of pop culture. He's not, he's not having a consistent series of big hits. Um, there's even mild talk of retirement. And, uh, you know, he has, uh, he's really uh, finding himself lumped in with groups uh, on the downside of their trajectory and not given much of a chance to be relevant in the 80s. And then... We get so to it's 1983. Actually, it's really fun. Like I would strongly recommend you go back and just do the David Bowie discography 
um, like the stuff that comes out between 1980 and 1983, you're like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like there's like some weird soundtrack stuff. And then there's a classical record where he reads, reads something mumbling over on top of a classical record. Peter and the wolf. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's super, I mean, it's like for a guy who's taken a lot of weird turns in his career, it's super weird. And you would be extra forgiven for thinking that this guy is completely done. He bailed out on his record company, signs a new record deal. And for the, and actually Jeff, remind me, I I, I can't remember which one of these seventies ones is there's a favorite stretch of Bowie that you love. Yeah. It's mid seventies. I love this station to station uh low uh that kind of 676 77 there's a live record stage in 78 where the band is just unbelievable it's like adrian blue who you know i have <laughs> i'll rather die for a yes. bunch of other amazing players it's so cool and weird and interesting and then there's some stuff i don't love as much like lodger and scary monsters but he's still oh, you like don't, you don't love those jeff that didn't that didn't happen for you I mean, there's some great songs, but no, not all the way through. Those records are no good. Dude, so no, come on, fashion's great. Tell me and um, and I'll DJ just go ahead is and great. Say, I'll just go ahead and say for the, like, uh, I had a, a buddy in high school who was a huge Bowie guy, and he would just be heartbroken to find out that I'm going to choose Wet Stance, which he can consider to be just apostasy. He, yeah. he, for him, it would be like, you know, choosing Born in the USA as your favorite Springsteen record. Or whatever. Or fifty-one fifty is your favorite band. Oh yeah, 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 no, totally. yeah, would be heartbroken over it. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and recognize this is not the hipster Bowie pick, but all those hipster can kiss my ass. This record's amazing. I love it. My favorite Cone Brothers movies are the ones where they try and make good movies. That's my favorite ones. Okay. Like uh, Raising Arizona. Um, that's my absolute favorite. My two, uh, mine too. Yeah. But like, uh, like these are guys who are capable of making unbelievably entertaining movies, and then they just like basically choose to be a little bit more artistically daring and other things. Same thing with Bowie. Um, he's tired of being nobody. He's tired of being off on the woods doing weird stuff. He's like, you know what I want to do in 1983 with my brand new record contract is I want to sell a jillion records. He goes ahead and signs up with Nile Rodgers from Chic, yep. which is just a, it, 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 like, it appears obvious in retrospect, but at the time, it's kind of a loopy move. Like, disco's over. Chic is, like, on the very deep fumes of, like, the, if you look at the Chic discography, they put out seven albums, and there's four <laughs> Chic songs that the people, anyone can sing. Like, <laughs> they're still putting out albums in 1983. Um and they they put they put like they, they he did the Diana Ross record with I'm coming out on it. He did Sister Sledge, We Are Love Family. Like, but all of these are disco songs. There's no reason at all why David Bowie should hire this guy to produce this record and create the entire sound. Bowie's like, I dig you. So he and Nile Rogers go into the studio, they record an entire record, and it's basically with the chic band plus some some extra A plus 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 studio guys. The studio guys that they get on this record are so freaking fantastic. It's Carmine Rojas is the bass guitarist. This is his first album, Jeff. Did you know that? I did not know that. Wow. He gets something wow. like basically now Rogers has found him. He's like, this is my guy. They bring him in. Omar Hakim on drums or Tony yep. Thompson on drums. Pick your poison. Either one of them are, are just unbelievably awesome. Um, and 
uh, now Rogers in and of himself is a really good guitar player, like just a terrific, terrific, terrific rhythm guitar player. They got the entire record in the can. Bowie's at the Montreux Jazz Festival in Switzerland. And he sees a weird trio from Austin, Texas, who get booed off the stage. Oh, no. Booed off the stage oh, no. for playing an electric set. And it would be Stevie Ray Vaughan in Double Trouble. <laughs> Bowie's before, so Before powerful. the record comes out, before Texas oh, plays. Oh, it's before they've even recorded the record. Dude, yep. He gets the recording deal because Jackson Brown sees him as like, this guy's fantastic, and they sign him up. Yep. Wow. Bowie finds him at the bar afterwards. It's like, I loved your set. Will you come and play on my album? And first of all, if you've ever heard Steve Irvine interviewed, like, yeah. you know that Steve Irvine's like, oh, oh, oh sure. <laughs> and he's like, really? You want to come to New York and play the power station? And Steve Irvine's like, like and you can go back and look at the interviews. They're hilarious. He's like, I've never left Texas. Like, it's my life savings to fly to Montreux and get booed off the stage. <laughs> David Bowie wants you to record New York. Sure, man. Yeah, that sounds great. They bring him up to New York and he plays all the lead guitar parts on the record. And it's like this weird bit of alchemy. Like you've got three really, really, really weird acts all piled on top of each other. You've got David Bowie, who's decided to become a massive pop sensation. And he hires a has-been and no shade to Nile Rodgers at all. He, he goes on to have a spectacular career. He had a great career before he's the freaking created hip hop. Right. I mean, the, 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 um, the backtrack to hip hop is his bass lines and his songs. Uh, but at this point, he's kind of washed up. And then they bring in Stevie Ray Vaughan. It works out incredibly. Uh, the three hit songs off this record are among my favorite three songs ever. And it goes bang, bang, bang. The side A of this record are the four singles from the record. Okay. And then side B of the record, and I'll be super curious to hear Jeff's thoughts. Side B is an actual David Bowie record. Yeah. Like side B is really weird. It's got a bunch of weird stuff on it. Weird if, as hell. If you're into, like, basically, if you like Stevie Ray, then you kind of want to listen to side B because, like, cat people, parentheses, putting out fire. <laughs> With gasoline. I believe that's how the rest of that line goes. That's the one that's got the most Stevie Ray on it. It's, it's also really... the soundtrack song to a Nastasia Kinski movie. Oh, right. It's directed yeah. by Giorgio Moroder. That's I mean, this correct. Is like, yeah, so good. So good. Anyhow, track one, Modern Love. Track two, China Girl. And I don't even care that it's called China Girl. That song is great. It is a great song. And then Let's Dance. Unbelievable. I'm going to ask Jeff for some forbearance. Rather than do one song, just give me the first 30 seconds of Modern Love and the first 30 seconds of Let's Dance. For Modern Love, I want you to get all the way through the mumbling. The you mumbling that starts that song. <laughs> it kills me. It's the greatest. Here we go. Modern Love. Oh, wait, wait hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And uh, listen to these guitar parts, man. Like the solos are Stevie Ray, but the, the, the guitar press by Niles Rogers are so, so good. And the Omar Hakim drumming is like, oh, and actually, I, I meant to say this when you said about the drum machine. This is a band, this is an example of how great live drums are, how yeah. fantastic they are. Bowie could have gone with a drum machine, and I'm sure that some executive did, and he was like, no, 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 dude, you got to hear Omar Keen play drums. Like, it's <laughs> so great. 30 seconds Modern Love, 30 seconds Let's Dance. Done. Let's Dance by David Bowie. Did you hear that? I thought it came right away. 
talk about how outrageous that first vocal line is and let's dance like he comes in all mumbly as like it sounds like um somebody doing a dracula impression put on your red shoes and dance it's so great and then oh it's cool. amazing how cool do you have to be to mumble on the start of your oh, comeback record dude. right I don't want to go out. Let alone the modern love. I don't want to go out. What is going on? That's what I'm talking about. It's so great. It makes you lean in. You're like, what? What did he say? I remember the first time I heard this. And get things done. I'm like, what? What is going on? Now I love it. In case you're wondering whether Let's Dance is at least 50% Nile Rodgers, there's four chic songs. Yeah. And I knew before I got to the greatest hits. Can you name them? Uh, La Freak. Sure. I Want Your Love, Good Times, and um, come on. What's the other huge, huge hit? Wait, there's I can't... two more that feature the word dance. Oh, right. Dance, dance, dance. And uh, everybody dance. Everybody the first dance. Two songs <laughs> of the greatest hits are dance, 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 parentheses, and Jeff will know the parentheses. Uh, no, I don't. I can't remember. Yowza, yowza, oh, yowza, yowza. Yowza. I strongly recommend you go back and listen to the song. It's freaking hilarious. It's a disco song where they're like, dance, dance, everybody dance, dance is amazing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, presumably some weird white Jewish guy's like, yowza, 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 <laughs> on top of it. <laughs> Anyhow, I love it that uh, at some point, Bowie and uh, Rogers are like, you know, getting together and Bowie's like, I love your material. And I was like, what'd you like? And he's like, I love dance dance and I love everybody dance. And now Roger's like, how about let's dance? Yep. Bowie's like, let's, <laughs> let's do go. this thing. Let's do it. Let's dance indeed. Yep. Oh, uh, awesome. Anyhow, I understand that this is not a cool Bowie pick. I understand that I'm choosing his most popular record. I just don't care. Y'all can kiss my butt. This record is so great. Those three songs in a row, like just pop majesty. Like, and you compare him and it's not to, not to just bury Rod Stewart again, but, or, or let alone, I mean, there's a Nile Rodgers Mick Jagger record. And, you know, I'm a huge Stones guy. That record's a disaster. Yeah. Like they, they somehow managed to like poison it, but Bowie <laughs> did the opposite. Like he was just like, he really, really hit the sweet spot. 
And these songs are not cheesy pop songs, in my opinion. Like no. he brings a Bowie sensibility. I agree. To it, yeah. But he flips it over. Yep. And it's like this great dance music, super fun. Right. Dude, if I play like most 1983 hits that I would play to my daughters, they would just have no, they would be like, oh, I don't, I don't Stop. know. Like, really? This is the opposite. These songs from when Dolly had ears, I was like, you're going to like this. And she was like, I do like this. <laughs> just Let's Dance and Modern Love are all timers. I consider them to be like Shakespeare level art. Like yeah. I, assume, I would imagine that in a hundred years, people are going to be like, wow, let's dance. I do like dancing. Yeah. Modern Love <laughs> kills me. Like the the how he ends it too. Like we talk about the beginning of the song, the ending of the song is just awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah so, no, I mean it's 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 uh, I mean and and I don't know from uh, in, unless you were really precocious, if you're 12 years old, 13 years old in 1983, this is your Bowie introduction. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, you know, and it was sure. my. I mean, I knew the song Space Oddity, I knew that song, and I probably knew like one of the punkier ones because by 1983 i was listening to punk rock and so stuff from ziggy stardust was probably in my in my world but this was the first one where like i just knew these songs i know these songs by heart those first three songs there's not a, a, a little anything involved in any of those songs that i don't know immediately and i think let's dance is a class i always have i always thought let's dance was underrated for how big a hit it was it's just fantastic man yeah, man, and the, like, the side B is super weird and yeah. interesting. Like the whole thing, I actually I re-listened to it all multiple times over the week, and I was like, man, I'm I'm kind of digging this. It was actually a good argument for the CD. So when I was when, oh, I, when yeah. the album came out, I bought the album and just worked side one into right? the ground. Yeah, right. side one, and then I was like, well, you know, I don't really flip it over too often. It's working out for me. <laughs> but then I bought the CD in college when I was collecting, like building up my CD collection, and I was like, oh. Like there's some there's some neat stuff on side bait. Oh, that's really cool. Well done. All, All right, right Jeff. Okay. What do you got? Well, I've been picking a lot of obscure stuff, right? I mean, I've been looking at my, you know, my stupid self-imposed rules have brought in some hopefully some new music for some of our our friends listening. But uh I am on a really pretty obscure run here. So I am jumping back into the mainstream. Yeah, the mayor of Knoxville. Thanks you. This is oh, good. is that right? Yeah. She's ready for me to stop talking <laughs> about so. bands that no one cares about. A lot of people care about this band, uh, including me. I and, and like anybody our age who loves music, you, I have, you have some kind of relationship with this band if you're a rock and roll fan. Um, this is not my favorite record by this band, but I'm picking the debut because it allows me to talk about some other records I like a little bit more in later years, but because this is such an audacious debut record. Um, it belongs on the short list of greatest first records of all time. Um, and it introduced, it's one of those rare debuts where the band introduces itself fully formed. A lot cool. of debut records, you can hear what they might become. You're like, oh, right. wow, that's really cool. And that part's really neat. But they, they, you know, they're just playing the first, it's the first 12 songs they wrote together. And like, there's some good stuff and some weird stuff. And they, like this band's whole thing, I feel like, it just like, whew, it's there. It's a miracle of uh, teamwork. And I think ultimately this band's defined by its teamwork. If there was ever a band where the, where the, the sum is greater than the individual parts, it's R.E.M. And their first record, Murmur, Murmur is 1983. Um, 
And I'm going to be totally transparent and say it took me so long to love Murmur compared to other REM records. The first record I owned by REM was, was the second one, Reckoning. And I loved it right away. Then I bought Fables, which is the third record, and didn't like it as much. It was slower. It was muddier. It was more. And I got to say, like, R.E.M. was a band I liked but didn't love until Life's Rich Pageant came out. And that record put me just completely off the deep end. I fell for them incredibly hard, went and saw them like, you know, a million times. But I got a cassette tape from my friend Mike, which had Murmur on one side and uh, New Gold Dream by Simple Minds on the other. So the first problem is, did not like New Gold Dream. So to listen to Murmur, I had to listen to it and then waste battery rewinding <laughs> to get back to the middle of Murmur. But it felt a little Hey man, slow. what's on New Gold Dream? Is there a song in there I would know? Uh, no, it's like their first big European hit. Up, uh, It's not even the one with Up on the Catwalk on it. Like it's really a deep dive. Like. No, it doesn't. I mean, there's not a single song. I can't even remember a song on it, to be honest. But this record at first sounded like the cover, like the cover of Murmur is, is kudzu, like growing up and over uh, a kind of a Georgian swampy landscape. And I wanted the mix to be scrubbed a little clean at first. Like it felt a little murky. It felt a little, you know, the lyrics, the, the vocals buried and you can't really understand what he's singing. And it's not in a hurry. It's not a record that's super propulsive. And it's not, it's not a punk rock record. It's, and, uh, but at the same time, it has all the like punk rock elements that I love. It's got a remarkable DIY quality. There are very few overdubs that aren't kind of sonic and deep in the background. They're kids playing at the absolute edge of their ability, right? I mean, these are this, this record is as good as these guys can do in 1983 and nothing more. Um, and the songs is so rich, like everything's so well thought out. These guys are, leave so much space for one another. Like there's just moments where Mike Mills's bass parts are just beautiful and and you know like radio free europe the bass is the lead instrument it's not even close and like there are moments when all that great rickenbacker 12 string finger picking that peter buck does is in the front and stipe has moments where he lets his voice be beautiful and bill barry through the whole thing plays such propulsive restrained drums murmur is a is such a great example of why there are bands and why this moment where a guy like me can make a whole record by itself is both amazing and a terrible idea Right. Because um, <laughs> bouncing your bouncing your talents off of other people who have different complementary talents is the is the sweet spot. Ben started this podcast by saying like like long time friendship and communication leads to transcendence and genius. And R.E.M. is an example of that. This band broke up and they are still best friends and they understand each other and their catalog. Even if you fall out of love with them the way that I did, like there's a R.E.M. Mach one and an REM Mach 2 and, and part two of this band breaks my heart because I want to love it and I don't. But Murmur is the beginning of a love affair for me that goes through their first five or six records. Um, and uh, I just cannot recommend enough both letting the whole record play. Ben just talked about the beauty, right? Right. This is not a skip around, pick your fate. Like let all 40 minutes of Murmur wash over you. It's, it's a journey into a space and it's just a such a beautiful example of friendship like four kids from athens georgia all they want to do is play a little club together and they accidentally conquer the world and they do it without 
really um, remarkably changing what made them great. I mean, when Bill leaves the band for his health in 94, things, things really do change. But up until that point, this is a, a group of guys who are willing to come to the table and make art together. I don't know how to pick a song. I will pick um, the song that almost broke the band up. So Murmurs recorded in North Carolina with a guy named Mitch Easter, who does a brilliant job shepherding this band through. He's an indie rock producer. He did the DBs. He, his own band, Let's Active, made some really good music. But he makes the EP for R.E.M. that came out in 82, and it gets them a major label deal. And they go to New York with a famous producer, and he makes them record the song Catapult a hundred times because they can't get it to the click. He's like, you guys got to learn how to be a real professional band and you're loose and you're sloppy. They record a hundred takes of Catapult, each one less soulful than the other. And they decide they're going to quit. They're like, I don't want to do this. Oh, we're God. not, we're not a real band. And they run back to North Carolina and Mitch is like, look, just come play with me. Let's like, remember what you are. And he turns the click track off and they record the whole record. And IRS records is like, well, this gets you major label distribution. This is great. And they survive what, uh, the moment with major label idiocy that could have broke them up. Wait, what's a click track? That's where you have a computer going in your ears and you play along to it so that the wow. record doesn't speed up. And, so it doesn't speed up and slow down and you have a consistent groove through it. It allows you to edit tracks together. Like I like the first minute of, track, of take one and the, the best part of take two, right? It allows a guy like me to record all the guitars and drums, uh, guitars and bass and piano first, and then go back and play drums over it. Huh. Right. Like, but it also, if you use it, if you're too married to it, it takes all the soul out of music. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. Your um, computer. Anyway. So here on a record with radio free Europe, pilgrimage, talk about the passion, perfect circle, sitting still shaking through. This is the song that almost broke them and that when they went back and did it their way reveals everything this band is and will become over the next six years. The first song on side two, this is Catapult from R.E.M.'s Murmur. Murmur by R.E.M. stuff you know ben always talks about parts listen to parts like the bass line's so clever the guitar part's so beautiful there's three or four little distinct things the drums are so careful but can you imagine playing that bass intro a hundred times over and over and over again <laughs> with the producers like saying 
nope. you know, too <laughs> loose, too loose, too loose. I can't believe they survived that. But anyway, I have a big famous band with a big famous record for my 1983 pick back into the weeds next year, but oh. there you go, India. Awesome. <laughs> By the way, when they, when they come into the chorus with the second catapult, when the band comes in, it's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's great. Such a great joke. Yeah, they, like their their lyrics are especially in this period are really inscrutable. And so, what the hell that song is about, I have no idea. But then when they come in with catapult, like as if it's let's dance or I want to love you, you like as if it's a word that means something. It's like catapult. I'm like, what is going on? I love that. It's this awesome. record, this is a great mumble record too. And like nine nine oh, starts yeah, with him no. just talking. Everything mumbles. Yeah. The guitar sound sounds yeah. mumbled. The bass sounds mumbles. The, the it's a mumbly vibe for sure yep. but you're right i mean the guitar part like that guy's great that that guitar like it's a trio and they really 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 fill that space it's beautiful wow good stuff Yay. good stuff yeah let's let's move on we'll put this puppy to bed i've got 1983 i had a murmur i had a punch the clock with Elvis oh, Costello. it's good. That's a, such an underrated Elvis Costello record. It. Punch the Clock would have been a great choice. Uh, speaking in Tongues by Talking Heads, uh, Billy Bragg's album. But you know what? Ooh. After all that, uh, I, I, I've i got a story to tell you, and that'll be the that'll be the album. I'm in college in 1988, and I'm at the University of Dayton. And there was a bar called Al's. And Al's had a a drink and drown night on Wednesday nights where you would go and you'd pay like three fifty, and then you could drink all the beer from the tap that you'd wanted it was not uh, Sam Adams coming from the tap. Anywho, they also had a DJ on drink and drown night. And there was a girl don't know her name, freshman at the university of Dayton. And I asked her to dance. And this song by new order came on. And I got danced under a table to the point where all my friends made fun of me, even though I am a good dancer. Jeff Simons, you've seen me dance. I have. I'm a good dancer. Unquestionably. Ben, are you a good dancer? Ben's good a great dancer. You lost me at New Order, man. Just, you don't want to talk to me at all now. <laughs> all right. Age of consent, Jeff Simons. Wow. Power, Corruption, and Lies by New Order. She could spin. 
she could spin effortlessly and would just spin like in my grill. And I could have this image off. of you like giving up after two and a half minutes and just like <laughs> bouncing up and down until you basically had to stop and like catch your breath and lean against uh, the, the wall. The guys were like pointing and laughing. It was it was terrible. But anyways, uh, I so love going, that song. You're going you with Power, Corruption and Lies from That's 1983. Correct. All right. Ben, do you, do you like the Smiths? No. What about The Cure? No. Jesus and Mary Chain? Nope. This entire so, genre is so, lost to me. So we've just lost our British audience. I can't believe this. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, I, 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 I don't dislike New Order the way Ben does. And I actually, I don't mind this pick at all. This is a hipster pick. And like those guitars are kind of cool and, and, uh, Ben loves LCD sound system and doesn't like New Order, and he's gonna know, have to. Look. He's got a. He's got to answer for that a little bit. And if he doesn't pretend he didn't dance like his life depended on it to Bizarre Love Triangle all the way through college, he's a lion <laughs> mofo. <laughs> so we never, all. That's no, I really don't like that song. I did dance <laughs> to it, but I don't like it. Yeah, man. When that when enjoy, it went to that like I don't enjoy <laughs> dancing. <laughs> In the middle and they turned on the strobe light you were in you were well, kind this of is, transported honestly, this song is better this has instruments and stuff this is not yeah. a keyboard song so that's yeah, yeah the new got... order record that has really grown on me in ways that surprised me is the is the one that comes after this i think i can't huh. remember the name of it but there's one new order record like in my adult life where i'm like you know what that record oh it's uh brotherhood or low life i can't remember which one of those two it is but one of those oh. is not bad at all, and I didn't really rediscover it until about 10 years ago. But uh... um, Ben, you know who I, I don't like out of this genre? And they kind of ruined the whole genre in a way. Is Depeche oh, my. Mode. Depeche Mode, that was my entree to this genre, and it yeah. really crushed me. Yeah, that'll do it. And, I'm, I'm out of Depeche Mode, yeah. And I have since come around to some Smith songs and some Cure songs. Yeah, right. I have not come around to much Depeche Mode. and just to Dude, be I'm sorry, but that reach out and that, that um, what's the personal Jesus? That song yeah. is fantastic. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. That, Stop. That, You're my own. Oh, when that comes on the radio, turn it up. <laughs> And just pretend Stop. like you're the Depeche Mode dude, and you will feel like a god. <laughs> Singing along to that song is so unbelievably fun. Reach out and touch me. I mean, I'm just That's like this story a bunch of times. But I mean, when we were in college, we oh, were these both guys, in various bands, great. and then Jeff and I were together in an all-star band. Uh -huh. These three dudes are like, <laughs> we're forming our own band, and I'm like, oh, that's great. What are you gonna do? They're like, we're a Depeche Mode cover band, and I was like, mm, really? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're gonna be a Depeche Mode cover band. And I was uh -huh. like, you know, it's like, it's all keyboards and synthesizers and computers. How are you going to do that? And they were like, oh, it'll be good. <laughs> so they have their first gig. And I think my band was on the same bill. So I was physically there. And I was like, I can't wait to, to hear this. I mean, these guys are going to be terrible. To me, it was the exact opposite. They oh. were Depeche Their computers mode. and keyboards, they just programmed it to be Depeche Mode. And they was it was a note for note reproduction. Three guys like, sitting behind keyboards. My and jaw I was like, that's how easy it is to be floor. Depeche Mode. Three random dudes could just be like, press play, and then they sang along. And then with they it. sang along. Oh, dude, it was it was incredible. This is and karaoke. it really made me hate Depeche Mode. A yeah, lot that much more. <laughs> a lot more. Uh, I, had uh, the I had the opposite reaction. It was so good. I was like, I was shaken. I was like, I'm gonna go up after this and play like 
warbly covers of other stuff while they oh. sounded exact. It was it was that um I just can't get enough. They turned oh, they yeah. remember they had everything. Just they had all the little it. background parts. I was just <laughs> yeah. like I'm I'm just and then they were motionless. They were like three oh, yeah, totally. like the tallest guy was five four. It was just like three little huh. dudes behind a rack of keyboards. Like you could barely see the guy singing, but the noise was perfect. It was epic. It was oh. great. That was one of the funniest nights of college. That was so great. All right. Well, we um, we have a task before us. Um, I, I forgot to tell you about this. The Jamcast podcast out of Ireland, our buddies, Jono and Mark, have asked us to, to do their next intro to their next podcast. So, Ben, what do you have to say to the folks in Ireland? Jimmy. Please cut this. You can't spring this on me, brother. Sorry. Let me go to Jeff. Jeff, what do you have to say to the people of Ireland? People of Ireland, you boy, have you made the right choice with your podcast time? Because the Jamcast is without question Funny. one of the finest, most entertaining, hilarious 40 minutes you'll spend. Oh, he's like a professional, man. What happened to you? I'm I love sorry. to sell. I but love Jimmy, to sell. Listen, I need preparation. All right. Well, uh, Jamcast, Jono, Mark, hope you guys are well. Have a great podcast. The guys from 50 Years of Music send our love. You checked that they're not like a white power podcast before we did this, right? Like, I, you're not getting us in trouble. Hold on. Let me write a quick note. To <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to use this? You're going to use my not being able to do it? The people in Ireland are going to come here and murder me. I think it will actually also be our bump. Uh, it'll work out twice. Just kidding. Just kidding, Ben. We're gonna, we're gonna edit it to make you sound super smart. That's really good luck with that. <laughs> that All means right. you can edit me out. That's the best we can do. <laughs> All right, fellas. Timmy, solid work as always, my friends. I will see you in 1984. Can't wait. All right. All right. Be well, my friends. Bye. Later. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. 
Subscribe today. Electric acid.